Welcome to the WWE Podcast. The most passionate and authentic wrestling analysis on the web. We've got you covered with every Raw, SmackDown, and NXT show. Giving you a no-bullshit opinion. We know you love wrestling. We do, too. So let's get this show underway. And that's the bottom line. What? Just Stone Cold Simpson! Hey everybody, welcome to the WWE Podcast on this St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, 2020. You guys tired of this coronavirus thing yet? Yeah. Well, this is your show to escape from reality, I hope. Um, From all the news that's everywhere, the constant thing that's in your face. And that is this just epidemic that is going crazy. Um, And... In the United States, it's just growing and growing and growing, and there's no end in sight. And uh, this is the show that hopefully brings you a little bit of reprieve as we play in the sandbox of pro wrestling. And uh, I hope that this is what this show does. Clearly, um, we need it. <laughs> I know that uh, myself, I got sent home for from work for two weeks, although I'm telecommuting, so I'm technically not off. But for all intents and purposes, I'm off for two weeks. I mean, let's be honest. Those of you out there that are telecommuting, I would love to know the percentage of actual work that we do. I would venture to guess that it is a very low percentage, right? Unless you are a uh, a call center type of uh, in, in a call center type of position where you have to constantly be on the phone, the telecommuting thing for most of us is I don't want to say it's a joke, <laughs> but uh, Let's just say it's a much a much scaled down version of what we do in the office. So it's good, but it's also creating a little bit of stir crazy for us already. Uh, I know for myself, I mean, two weeks is probably going to be more than two weeks. That's just the minimum, especially if the numbers continue to climb. And I'm already getting stir crazy. It's still kind of too cold to go outside. Plus, you don't want to go anywhere for fear of, you know... Contag- uh, contracting the virus. Uh, everything's closed down anyway, other than grocery stores. Malls are probably next. Um, so it, it's really, the, it's the strangest thing I've ever felt in my life as far as a, a, a something on this scale. There's 9-11, right? There, we've had terrorist attacks. We've had major things happen in this country. But nothing on this scale of such uncertainty, Right? There's been nothing like this that I can remember ever. And the, the length of time, I've, some projections are out till, you know, Labor Day. I, I, I can't imagine that. I mean, your local businesses are likely shut down or on some kind of scaled back schedule. And that has to hurt. I mean, how can it not? Businesses still have to pay their rent. They still have to pay employees even if they're not there, depending on the business you have, of course. But there are still expenses, big expenses that those businesses are incurring that they rely on customers coming in, buying their stuff to offset their expenses and make a profit. And when those people aren't coming in, it becomes a a hole that you continue to dig day by day for these businesses. So, I mean, do the best you can to support your local you know, food place, right? If you can do takeout. A lot of these are contactless type of deliveries now. Uh, Uber Eats, I know, is doing $0 for delivery fee, at least for indefinitely, until this whole thing settles down. And hell, who knows? You know, in a week, two weeks, we could say, oh, this is starting to flatten out. And, and you know, maybe, maybe we're finally on the downslide here. But it could be two months and we're saying the same thing. I mean, we just have no idea of the magnitude of this thing. And, uh, you know, the, the problem is not a lot of people got tested. In the beginning, especially here in the United States, testing is not great. So when you do that and you figure out the percentage of people that have actually not gotten tested that are probably walking around that don't reflect in the number that are, that have been tested, <laughs> the, the number you see tested in positive aren't really reflective of what's probably walking around there. But um, just the short of it is, man, it's effing weird. I feel like a prisoner, but I, you know, I, I know I'm not. I know I could go somewhere, but you you really can't. You can't have really. You can't have people over because of fear of maybe they have it and they you don't you don't know and they don't know that they have it. 
So everyone's just kind of afraid of everyone, and it takes the human element out of your life. It takes the being around people out of your life. And I'm an introvert, so this kind of works in my favor. Like, I don't like people in general, right? I don't like being around people. I don't like talking to people. I feel kind of like Brock Lesnar in that respect. <laughs> so I can absolutely relate to him just getting a farm in the middle of effing nowhere and uh, just just living out his life and being away and as far away from people as he can possibly be. So I understand that. But even introverts at some point reach a, a limit. Um, and the thing is with me, I don't need to really necessarily be around people. I just want to get sometimes out of my house and go do stuff, even if it's by myself, which I love. Right. But for those people that love to talk and just love to be around people just to talk about like whatever the hell they want to talk about, it's got to be even more torturous. Right. I mean, there are people that I know, I mean, at my place of employment and otherwise that just, you could sit there and you just listen to them talk and talk and talk. And it's almost as if you don't even need to be in the room for them to have a conversation. I mean, and you're giving social cues that like you're not really paying attention and they still continue to talk. It's, I don't know if they love the sound or their own voice or they're just, their brain is wired to be that needy of people wanting to listen to them for affirmation of how good of a storyteller they are. I don't know. I mean, I've dealt with this my whole life, right? And I'm not going to get too specific on things because I have no idea who listens to this, right? No idea. So I'm going to be very, uh, just very vague about, I'll just say, in my life, uh, that it is, I'm not a fan of people that you could just sit there and they just don't effing stop talking, right? I'm kind of the opposite. I'll give you the bare minimum, right? And I I don't know. Maybe I'm the other end of the spectrum and I just, uh, I have zero interest in like talking, giving stories and like, I don't know. Uh, Here comes the a-hole part of me, but I really, I'm not apologetic, uh, apologetic for it. I could care less. I mean, I, I just want to be the hell away from people sometimes. Um, and you say, oh, wait, how are you an introvert and you do a podcast? I mean, it's all about talking. Yeah, it's all about talking with me. Me, right? I'm sitting here with my microphone, my bottle of water, my cell phone next to me. I got a notepad. I got my laptop in front of me. And it's me. And I love my co-hosts. They're awesome. And I, I, I genuinely do like them. But when I do these solo shows, it's me, right? So that's how an introvert does a podcast because it doesn't require you to be one-on-one with somebody in person. It's not that, I don't know, and people say, oh, you know, yeah, you don't possess the social skills. No, I do. I do. Okay. I know how to talk to people in person, whether I'm faking it or not. And here's the thing. If you know my fake laugh, we're friends. If you don't know my fake laugh where it's just kind of like, I'm, I'm laughing, but boy, this is damn painful. We aren't. We truly aren't friends, okay? If you're one of those people that holds the door for me when you're 15 feet in front of me and you think that's somehow, uh, you know, a nice gesture, no, that's a pain in the ass. You know why that's a pain in the ass? Because then it puts the pressure on you to run and grab the door so that they don't have to stand there and hold it any longer than they need to. Well, maybe you're the a-hole who's trying to do this because you're trying to feel good about yourself or not feel guilty about holding the door. But in reality, it's a pain in the ass for the person that is way behind you because then they feel the need to come up. So what I've done is just basically I've said, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. If you want to hold the door for me and I am a stupid amount of uh, distance behind you, I'm going to, I'm going to just kind of take my time and walk and I'm going to make you not ever do that again because they're thinking in their head, Jesus, right? Uh, Come on, let's move. But I'm thinking in my head, you're the jerk for trying to make yourself feel good. It's not a gesture to me. It's a gesture to make sure you don't feel guilty about you not doing it to try to make yourself feel like you're a nice person. Boy, this is how I think. This is something, something's not right with me, right? But you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not a fan of that. I mean, so number one, if you're one of those people, we aren't friends. If you walk slow, we aren't friends. Like if, if you're one of those people that, uh, you know, is basically a crawl for your normal walk, we are definitely not friends for sure. And if you, like I said, if you hold the door or if you don't know my fake laugh and when I say hold the door, like I said, it has to be a stupid amount of distance behind me or in front of me. And if you don't know my fake laugh, which is about 90% of the time that I laugh because it's just kind of like what you do socially, like I know how to fake it real well. And the thing is too, 
Some people will talk. And the reason, one of the bigger reasons I don't just like come up and I don't go, hey, how was your weekend? What'd you do? Here's what I did. I don't do that kind of crap. I go in, I sit my ass down and I just get to work. I'm, I'm nice to people. I'm cordial. I will help anybody. But I don't go up to somebody and go, oh, cool. And I just stand there and I put my arm out. I go, so what'd you do this weekend? No, I want a whole list. Give me everything. Some people do that. Why? Why do we, why do people do this? I don't understand. You know why? I've noticed because all, when they ask, how was your weekend? It's really just a, an avenue or a gateway to get them to talk about what they did. Cause they don't really truly care about what you did. They just want to get to a, well, let, let's, let's hear what you have to say real quick. But the reason, reason I'm really here is to talk about what I did, what, I, what what's going on with me. It's all about, uh, trust me, you know, I'm right on this. That's why more people that listen have more friends or at least are liked well, more well-liked than people that are just chatterboxes. Because people that listen, or at least are perceived to be listening, are perceived to be nicer. People like other people that listen because there are so many people that just don't shut their damn mouths. So, wow, I went on a really, really big side rant here. So, But anyway, hey, welcome to the show. This is about wrestling because uh, as I get into my personal life, I just, uh, I, I want to talk to you guys about the big part of my my life and that is wrestling as it probably is for you in a time that is just absolutely bizarre (laughs) this is so weird because you can't escape it whether you turn on your phone you turn on tv you can't go to bars you can't go to gyms everything is just seemingly come to a grinding halt the world has stopped and there's not much you can do right now uh, other than watch wrestling and if you watch wrestling even now you watch empty arena wrestling um, but if you want a taste of real wrestling, hey, the WWE Network is there. You can go to YouTube and watch actually you know, uh, events with crowds in them that, my God, don't you notice a difference? The audience is inv- invaluable to a wrestling show, and you just you know that it is, but until you actually see it in practice, you don't really truly appreciate a live audience until it's not there. That's a lot of things especially nowadays, of things that you just take for granted and aren't there, and you go, man, I miss this, I miss that, I miss being able to go here, I miss that, you know, concerts, everything's canceled. Obviously, the big news here this past week, WWE releasing a statement that WrestleMania 36 will be taking place in the Performance Center on April 5th, as scheduled in front of, what, nobody, probably. And I just can't imagine watching WrestleMania with nobody there in a small venue. Like it's somebody's garage, basically. It's basically taking place in a garage with nobody there. It, It's not even close to the ideal situation, but it really is WWE's only option. It really is. And I know that I had predicted that WWE would probably postpone this to May or June, but the fact of the matter is, this is such a unpredictable situation there's no end date it's so vague it's extremely difficult to predict when this could end that if you were to push it out to a you know may 5th may 30th whatever june whatever you are really running the risk of the virus still being around then you have to push it out keep pushing it out keep pushing it out and how are you keeping the storylines going for two, three, four months longer? You can't. And so this was really WWE's only option outside of canceling, of course. You could have canceled the whole thing. But if you're already doing empty arena Raw and SmackDowns, oh, what the hell? I mean, why stop there, right? You've continued, you're continuing the stories the best you can. And if you're going to have WrestleMania, this is your only way to do it. Now, if you were to have people there, the the only way that I believe you could have people there, an audience there, is to either have staff members there, uh, other wrestlers in the audience. You could have a green screen, but I think that'd be kind of cheesy. And plus there'd be, what, what are you going to have a green screen of? An audience that's making no sound? And then, uh, I mean, furthermore, you could have an actual WWE fan base there. Maybe a select 50 people. 
if that's the limit in a building right now, or within X amount of square footage, you can only have certain amount, a certain number of people. Maybe WWE sends out a uh, you know sweepstakes for fifty lucky WWE um, members of the universe who can win a trip to WrestleMania. It's only fifty fans, all expenses paid to WWE in Orlando at the Performance Center. But the caveat is that you have to provide proof within, say, two days of the event that you are negative for coronavirus, right? I mean, that'd be the only way for WWE to safely have fans there and do it in a a, uh, a legal way with the 50 minimum or 50 maximum number of people in the, the building. And you would be able to prove that they did not have and were tested for the coronavirus within 48 hours of the event or maybe 24 hours of the event, if you want to push it even further. But I mean, I I don't know how feasible that is. I'm probably talking out my ass, but to get fans there, that'd be the only way to do it. And I, I mean, if there's a way to do it, I would get it done. If I was WWE, you have 50 people there and just some kind of crowd interaction, something have fans surrounding the, uh, you know, have them ringside. Have them ringside scattered. You can, you can make 50 people look like more than 50 people if you angle it right. You know, the camera angles are right. I mean, so, I don't know. I mean, it's just a thought of a, of a way. Because I am desperate for, for fans to be in the arena. Desperate. It is a... It's painful to watch. It's painful. And I'm not putting this on WWE. I give them credit for putting on the show and sticking to their golden rule, Vince's golden rule of the show must go on. They did it when Owen Hart died. They continued the actual show. They could, they had a match after Owen Hart died in the ring. They had an event two days after 9-11 on SmackDown. I believe it was Houston, Texas. Two days after, they were the first gathering of that size to occur after 9-11. And they're continuing their, uh, their their belief now that the show must go on. And they're going whether there are people there or not. And I give them as much credit as I can because this is not easy. This is, this is not the fault of WWE. They are continuing to put out original content. I give them credit for that. And I'm sure that the thinking is, well, the fans need us now more than ever. And I really, I believe that because... I'm I'm glad they're doing this. As painful it is, is as it is to watch, I appreciate them pushing out content every week and continuing on schedule. I do appreciate that because we need something from the this, the distraction of what's going on is so overwhelming. It's so consuming. It's so saturated everywhere we go, everywhere we look. The coronavirus, the numbers, the deaths, the spread, the press conferences from your governor, the press conferences from Trump, whatever. It's just every freaking place you look. And I'm glad the WWE is continuing to do this. And yes, while you're watching, you're reminded that of what's going on because you don't see anybody there. And you're like, oh, yeah, this effing virus is the reason people aren't here. But you occasionally do get lost. You, you, you have a distraction. Your brain goes somewhere else when you watch wrestling. And so I appreciate WWE for what they're doing. And I think that the first crowd back in a live arena, wherever or whenever that may be, as Shakira would say, whenever, wherever, boy, I'm dating myself. That's like 2001, 2002. Jeez. Um, But whenever or wherever that is, that crowd is going to light up the building, I would imagine. I mean, it's going to be, I think, an explosion, just as I think everything else will be. You know, I think that your local bars are going to be packed again. Your restaurants, people are going to, they're getting cabin fever as it is this time of year. You add a, basically a, uh, you know, quarantine yourself restriction for months. People are going to lose their minds. So um, WWE right now believes that they should continue on. We need them. They know that we need them as a distraction. And I, you know, as much as this hurts them financially, the city of Tampa financially, uh, thousands, tens of thousands of fans are disappointed. And I understand why it is the right move. 
it is the it's the best move they could make. And yes, it's a hard move. Everything right now is difficult. Everything. Because no matter who you are, what you're doing, what your profession is, you've been affected in some way. Every single person has been affected in some way, shape, or form by this pandemic, right? So pro wrestling is where we go to escape. Pro wrestling is a place that we go to uh, maybe take our mind off of what the hell's going on in our daily lives. And now that's more relevant than ever. So I think WWE will continue to pump out these shows at the Performance Center uh, in every, you know, every week. And NXT will probably be no different. And I appreciate that. As much as we all say, they need to stop it. What do you expect them to do? Right. The alternative is that they shut themselves down. Right. They say, "Oh, we're we're cutting our, you know, everything's going to stop until the, you know, we can fill fill arenas again." But the problem with that is you have no idea how long it's going to be. Number one. Right, and that means you're not filling your time on Fox, which means you're not getting sponsors, which means you're hurting our sponsorship dollars, which means you're hurting your bottom line more than it's already going to be hurt with the WrestleMania um, relocating. And no fan attendance, which means no ticket sales, which means no merchandise, which means, uh, you know, the city of Tampa is going to be hurting on top of it. We all know that. And those that make money off of WrestleMania, those that rely on WrestleMania every year, right? Local indie promotions that run and piggyback off of WrestleMania. I went to one in Orlando, right? Three years ago that they, they rely on the fan um, the fan interjection into that particular city to come to their event because they know that they love wrestling and they're going to have the largest conglomeration of wrestling fans in a single area the entire all year. Why wouldn't you take advantage of it? So it's not just WWE because their bottom line will be fine. They're not going bankrupt. I'm not worried about WWE themselves. Um, you know, I feel bad for the 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 smaller promotions that are getting hit even harder because they rely on WrestleMania every year. So. This is a, a very strange time, very bizarre, but I, again, the bottom line is I appreciate WWE for at least continuing to pump out original content, and it's going to make us more appreciative of when we get back to normal, because apparently this is our new norm for a while, that we have fans there in attendance, and that they're there feeding the energy of the show. It is sorely missed sorely missed so um let's get into monday night raw though and i I have to start at the top here i'm gonna start with well let me start with stone cold steve austin i'm the biggest stone cold steve austin fan you'll ever find truly he was the reason i got into wrestling he was really influential in my life that sounds silly right it sounds silly because a fictional character made no but his character on wrestling shows from, my God, I mean, when he started getting really hot in late 97, 98, 99, of course, through his career-ending 2003 match with Rock at WrestleMania 19, and even beyond that as the sheriff and the co-general manager and occasional appearances at WrestleMania just to deliver some stunners. You know, it, it just, he I connected with the character on a very deep level, right? So, um, on Monday night, he comes out, and uh, they were heavily, heavily, heavily hyping the 316 day. I mean, they, WWE has been hyping the 316 day for a couple of weeks now. They put it on WWE.com, the best stunners, which means, hey, yeah, we're, somebody's getting stunned, we just don't know who. And uh, they were selling merchandise the best they could, right? They were, they were really pumping 316 day. Really, really, really pumping it as high and as hard as they could. And... You just were wondering, well, who? Who's it going to be that gets stunned? So Austin comes out and has cue cards about what 316 Day is. Well, some of it was funny. You know, some of it was weird. Um, and hearing the glass crash with nobody there, that was painful. I, uh, I was not... It was worse and harder than I thought it would be. Um, it was hard. And hearing nobody there, seeing nobody there, he's on the ring, you know, uh, in all four corners for no reason. Mm, That was rough. So Austin comes out and had, you know, talking about what 316 day means, including 
four-letter words being acceptable, uh, and that you can whip anybody's ass and get away with it. And throughout this, Byron Saxton brought basically he, he was playing the judge with numbers grading each bullet point Austin had about what 316 day meant. And Austin said, I mean, seriously, like five or six times, oh, tough crowd. I mean, he that, that's really his go-to line. That's the only line he ever, I mean, he said it like four or five times. It was kind of weird. Um, but eventually invited Byron into the ring, toasted with him, and then dropped him with a stunner. And then we had Becky Lynch come out and uh, drink with Austin. She comes out with a cooler of beer. And talk, and Austin said to her, the last time we were in this ring together, you dropped me with a stunner. Um, and I think that happened on like um, Broken Skull. One of Austin's sideshows. I, I can't remember what show it was, but that's true. Um, and it wasn't on SmackDown or Raw. It was on, again, one of the sideshows. I just can't remember the name of it. But I thought, you know, Becky was going to do it again. And if she had done it again, I would have been on here ranting my ass off. I, I don't need Becky Lynch dropping Stone Cold Steve Austin on the show. I wouldn't even if I, I don't like that Austin even brought it up that Becky Lynch drops Stone Cold Steve Austin with a stunner. You're the best and greatest of all time gets dropped by a stunner. I would have and I'm getting myself riled up thinking about that happening on on Raw and it didn't. Thank God. Would I have liked Austin to return the favor? Yeah, <laughs> I would have loved to have seen him stun Becky Lynch. Uh, but obviously you can't go that road with the 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 path that Becky's on with Shayna Baszler. And I'll get to her promo in a minute too. Um, but Austin comes out and toasts and they all drink beer and it, you know, it, it guzzles it. You know, he drinks about 10% of it. The rest of it goes down his body. And it's, it's, I mean, it's a hilarious visual. I love it. It's great. Um, but transparently trying to get the rub from Becky off of Austin tells me that they're not trying to turn Becky Lynch heel. I, I, I don't think that's the case. And that's unfortunate. I think Becky is due for a heel turn. I think she's been ready for a heel turn for quite some time. I mean, Becky Lynch shows up in a Mack truck, right? In, in, a, in a big rig. And she, it has her face blasted on it. Uh, you know, and the cameras happen to see her coming at every perfect angle. I mean, I, I, Becky Lynch, for some time now, has really been an arrogant, annoying character. With the goat shirts and, and jackets to now or she had the the thug life sunglasses for a while and now she has a mac truck with her face plastered on it and yeah you're, someone's out there is going to say well that's what stone cold did he brought in a a monster truck and ran over the rocks lincoln continental i remember that austin drove a zamboni which didn't have his face plastered on it by the way yeah he did that fit his character he was literally a redneck from south texas he would be into monster trucks. I don't see Becky Lynch getting into big rigs, right? And 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 Mack trucks makes no sense. I I just wasn't a big fan of that. That's the kind of arrogance that is a huge turnoff for me on the Becky Lynch character, at least from a babyface perspective. You want to turn her heel? Hey, let, where do I sign? I'm ready for a heel turn by Becky. I just don't think we're gonna get it based on the cue that we got this past Monday with her and Austin and she's trying to basically because people have been running parallels from her being the female version of stone cold forever. Um, so, and then Austin drops Saxton with, for one more stunner for, with one more stunner for uh, good measure. So that's always fun. And Byron Saxton, I will say is a n- great natural heel. I've always thought that uh, I, right from the beginning with him on commentary, which I blasted him on commentary, you know, but I think over time he has definitely grown. I appreciate the work he's put in as a, as a commentator. It's shown. I think he's been a very big asset to Raw. Uh, very big asset to Raw. I think he is more valuable than the King right now in commentary. I think it could be, just be him and Tom Phillips, and you'd call it a day. I really don't know if I need Jerry the King Lawler on commentary. I, I, I just not not at this stage in his career with how he's produced. So Byron could be a great heel if he wanted to be a great heel manager. And it was awesome to see Austin drop him with a couple of stunners because I've imagined that happening since I've seen his face on raw. Sometimes he's got a very punchable face. That's, I mean, that's a compliment. He's got a punchable face because he thinks he's like a, he's like the pretty boy in school that thinks he's you know better than you. He's like your intellectual superior. That's what he believes. 
and you just want someone to come along and slap the the lips off his face. And he just has that about him. And uh, having Austin come in and drop him, I mean, that, that's just great stuff, right? Living vicariously is what Austin made his career out of. You live vicariously through Stone Cold. I mean, my God, Austin McMahon, everyone wants to beat up their boss. Most people. I mean, that's just right. I mean, not everybody, but you get the drift. So, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a good segment. Anytime you see stunners in beer, it, I mean, it's a good segment, regardless even of how weird the circumstances may be. I, I, the only thing I was disappointed in, uh, outside of kind of the awkwardness of it, I mean, it was just awkward. Austin's character is so built around crowd interaction and, and, and crowd, uh, reception and the loudness and, and the energy that it brings to that it, the crowd brings to Stone Cold's character outside of that awkwardness and sometimes awkwardness between Byron and Austin. And it, it was just weird overall. Um, I, we didn't get any clues as to what he's doing at WrestleMania. If he's involved at WrestleMania at all. Uh, so I was hoping with eight minutes left, eight minutes and 41 seconds, I looked to go in the show that there'd be some kind of big angle. Even if we got the, you know, just kind of the ceremonious stunner, somebody, you know, a, a heel that can take it like Byron, um, that there would be something bigger, something better. And you'd see Seth Rollins come out and run down stone cold. And have it transform into Kevin Owens coming out. And you have you know Kevin saying, you, you said I could name the stipulation. Austin, I want you the referee at WrestleMania. I mean, I, I just thought well, that's what we'd get. And we didn't get that. So I don't know if Austin's going to be involved at WrestleMania at all. And, uh, you know, I, I guess as an Austin fan, I, I'm a bit disappointed. Um, but I understand if he's not involved. It, you would just think that with him being this close to WrestleMania that WWE would capitalize on that and say, hey, you want to be a part of Mania? And be just a guest, refer- guest referee in that uh, in that ring with Rollins and Owens. And maybe we'll still get that. But um, anyway, moving on to the next segment in my brain, the next big segment, Undertaker, AJ, and the OC. This was supposed to be the contract signing. And yeah, we got the contract signed. And after everything that AJ said last week, running down Michelle McCool saying basically that, uh, you know, she runs the show, but she's also trying to run him into the ground and AJ's going to help her and that he's a broken down old man and refers to him as Mark. And we got undertaker out there basically looking like the American badass didn't have a do rag on. He wasn't big evil, but he was, a 2020 version of the American badass didn't say a word, didn't say a word and stood there pacing because AJ and the OC were back on the screen and and backstage. And I really actually, I mean, I'll get to the undertaker's look in a second too, but what AJ had to say, I thought was a big asset to this program. You know, I mean, I, I had said after super showdown, after Elimination Chamber of Undertaker just easily handling AJ with a single choke slam, that this program, if they go through to to it at WrestleMania, is already dead in the water because they've already blown it off. I mean, you you've seen AJ get choke slammed; he was handled easily, and that they're going to have to do a lot of work if they want to bring this back to life and resurrect it. No pun intended. And they certainly have. I I think that this is honestly the best thing that AJ's done in six months. I really believe that AJ Styles is is doing the best work he's done in quite some time. His promos were I I know that I've seen some bad grades. I mean like I look at like CBS and CBS Sports review of this and um Bleacher Report and others and they gave this, you know, like a C grade. I actually enjoyed AJ Styles' promo here. Um and and I see why they gave it a C for other reasons which I'll get to, but AJ felt very cocky. It's very uh, cowardly for him to be backstage talking tough. And one of the great lines was that, I mean, not just him saying that Undertaker's a shell of his former self, but that he offered to pay for his assisted living facility after WrestleMania. That's hilarious. I mean, heelish, it's funny, which I know the heels aren't supposed to be funny, but we all look at Undertaker as kind of a broken down old man. So unfortunately, there's a little bit of truth there. And sometimes being a heel giving the hard truth is sometimes better than flat out lies. And AJ styles, I think right here, he hit a sweet spot. 
he hit the sweet spot of being arrogant, being a coward backstage, not having the the balls to be out in the ring with Undertaker signing a contract, and then you know, taking digs at his age, and that he's going to pay for his assisted living. I mean, seriously, it, it was funny. It was funny, but you still ma- it still makes you want to see Undertaker beat him down. So th- this to me was mission accomplished. Um, eventually, AJ had. Gallows and Anderson come out to the ring to deliver the contract, of which they just kind of tossed it in the ring and stepped back. And then the the gong went off, and Undertaker went from the ring to behind them and then delivered a beat down on both men, signed the contract, and walked out. Now, that was, to me, it accomplished what it needed to accomplish. However, I would have liked to have seen Undertaker give some kind of verbal rebuttal to what AJ had to say and not just use the physical part of his uh, physical part of his presentation to deliver a message. I need an actual verbal message from the undertaker given what AJ styles had said about him last week and really this week as well. And talked about his wife. Yeah. The facials were good from taker. No question. Um, He was pacing in the ring like a caged animal. So I, I get all of that, but I need to hear something from Undertaker or Mark or whoever wants to come out. Um, is this the 2020 version of the American Badass? I mean, based on his attire, you would say yes. He still used the gong. It still went dark, so you could say, well, no, it's still the dead man. It was kind of like an informal dead man. Um, it, it was kind of like, I guess, a, a mix of both, given his hairstyle, which, oh boy, I mean... I know that Undertaker's aging. I know that as we get older, hair becomes a problem, right? We we become whether it's hair recession, your your hair your hairline recedes, and that's seriously a, a big problem for the Undertaker from, from a visual perspective, which I'm sure he knows. Everyone knows, and I know that back in the day he had the hair braided back look, and it looked cool, but he didn't have the hairline halfway up his head. I, he just didn't, and it's a weird look. Just keep the long hair. Cover as much as you can like Dean Ambrose did. Don't slick it back. Because when you slick it back, it enhances in, 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 um, the, the, the hairline, where it begins, right? It highlights where your hairline is on your head. So take her. Please, don't braid it back. It makes you look super old. <laughs> Please. Um, and, you know, whatever. I, I'm still for Undertaker AJ. I still think they'll pull out a decent match especially with AJ at, at the uh, other end of the ring doing the heavy lifting and making Mark look like a million bucks or as best as he can anyway. And uh, AJ carrying the load for this match is the guy you want in place. So was it a weird segment? I don't know if it was weird. I mean, seeing Undertaker in that state, I don't know why we, he had to come out with like his uh, his tank top down already and his hair braided back. That wasn't a great look. If he had the do-rag on, I'd be cool with it. I mean, a do-rag at this age covering the hairline would make sense. So, I don't know. Just a thought. Alrighty, so uh, moving on, though, to another segment, Edge kicking off Raw. Apparently, he drove 17 hours to get here just to deliver this message. Um, I thought it was good. It was weird, again, with nobody there and and, uh, um, Edge coming out. I I really miss the crowd interaction. Boy, do I miss it. Uh. So Randy talked about his connection with Orton. Or I'm sorry, Edge talked about his connection with Orton. About growing and evolving. And that one person that they had in common that helped both of them in their careers was Mick Foley. But the one thing that Foley taught him that he didn't teach Randy was grit. Something that that Randy never learned. Um, He said that this isn't love. You don't love me, Randy. You're jealous because you can't do what I do and it tears you apart. Talking about his comeback and uh, referencing, you know, obviously being away for nine years. And uh, he he challenged Orton to a last man standing match at WrestleMania. I'm fine with the... No, well, there's, there's a couple layers to this. Number one, starting backwards, I'm good with the last man standing match at WrestleMania. Sometimes it's more satisfying to see a babyface pin... A, a heel one two three. But given the violent nature of this, um, of this program, you kind of have to start at third base. You can't start at at home plate and run to first. 
meaning you can't start with a singles match, uh, you know, a normal wrestling match. Wouldn't have made sense. I actually advocated for, and maybe going a little extreme, Hell in a Cell with these two because I think it's deserving. But they went a level below and went to the last man standing match. I like it. I think that that is a match that fits this program. I think it's a match that you could tell a great story with being violent. Um, And I think this has a potential to be very good. It also has the potential for Randy Orton to escape and actually get the victory over Edge. And I wouldn't put it past Randy to take the victory here. I know everyone's thinking it's going to be a feel-good Edge retaliation, beat the holy hell and incapacitate and put Randy in the hospital type of night. And it probably will be. But I would not put Randy Orton past your thinking that he could actually pick up the victory here and put more heat on himself. I I really think it's a possibility, given that you could have somebody on Randy's behalf interfere and cost Edge the match. Be careful with these last man standing matches. Just be very, very careful. Babyfaces don't have a great history and, and record with this match. They just don't. So, um, anyway, but we'll get to WrestleMania predictions as we get closer to Mania. We still have two more Monday Night Raws before uh, we get to WrestleMania. Am I right on that? Let me look. Uh, if I can do math. We have, the, yep, the 23rd, obviously, and then March 30th. So, two more Raws and then Mania. So, there's things you can do here. Um, and it's interesting to see. I guess Randy will be on Monday Night Raw next Monday night, along with Brock Lesnar. So you can continue that program here as well. Um, and so I, I like this program. I think I just cut a good promo. Again, crowd interaction, a lack of is really hurting. <laughs> it hurts so bad. Um, he talked about how and this is, I guess, the one thing, right? I always have to, I always have to critique because I think some of these things are massively avoidable. Edge talks about how Beth was actually there to announce Edge's retirement again because he didn't want to have to do it again and she was going to do it for him. Really? So Edge doesn't have the grit that he just said he had to come out and announce his second retirement. So he has his wife do it because he can't handle it, but he's got grit. And then why would he retire? Why would he retire? I mean, this doesn't make sense. If Edge says he was going to retire a second time, right? Because, and there's still been no medical update to this. There's been still no medical uh, side to this of like, yeah, his neck was surgically repaired, but the surgeons looked at it. There's been no permanent damage, just some swelling. He'll be good to go. Nothing. So if, if if, if Edge is saying that he was ready to retire two weeks ago, then what is he doing here? Clearly he's medically okay to go. Otherwise, you would have retired. Again, do you see what I'm saying? This, 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 that whole thing, I that made no sense to me to say that Beth was there to tell the audience he was going to retire permanently. None, none. Then all of a sudden, he RKO's Beth, Randy RKO's Beth Phoenix, and then all of a sudden, Edge is like, "Oh, well, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to retire." So that tells me that you were retiring for another reason, other than the fact that you physically couldn't go anymore. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there a week later to try to exact your revenge on Randy. Am I missing something? It it, it just made no sense. Um, but nonetheless, it was still a good promo. I always love Edge. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock this other than that one or really a couple things. But I, I mean, I have to talk about it. I'm not just going to give them a pass on that. That logic was very flawed, but uh, good promo by Edge. And uh, let me know what you guys think, by the way, which you can do at the WWE podcast on Twitter. And you can get an ad free version of the show, too, at uh, the uh, my gosh, I can't remember. Patreon.com slash WWE podcast is where you can get your ad free version of this show. So uh, I hope you take advantage of that and um, please rate and review us on iTunes. Or not, my God, not iTunes. Apple Podcasts. iTunes went away like six months ago uh, or more. So anywhere you can find a rating and review system, it really helps us out. I know some of you love us. Some of you hate us. It is what it is. I mean, <laughs> it's what it is. I, you know, you can go read the reviews for yourself. There are some people that, boy, they hate us. That's cool. That's whatever. I really don't care. It's, you know, it's just people being on the Internet. That's all it is. Um, so 
the next thing on Raw here, we had a match here, a non-title match. Really, it was the only wrestling match of the show. Rey Mysterio versus Andrade. I mean, you can't go wrong with this. It was a, it's basically a flawless matchup with these two. I mean, you, you can't go wrong. And having this match on Raw, it was quick. Um, it was very, it was a very matter-of-fact vic- uh, victory for Rey Mysterio hitting the 619 and then doing the victory uh, during doing the splash off the top rope for the victory. And it was, I mean, again, I, I don't know what to make of this other than there's going to be some kind of Angel Garza, Rey Mysterio, Umberto Carrillo, Andrade, fatal four way or tag team match for the United States championship. Well, it can't be a tag team match for the U S title, but fatal four way. I mean, just go that way. Tell us next week. Let, let's just stop all the suspense, right? Um, so that'll be fun to watch and having Zelina there. I mean, it, it, her, the visual of her is always nice. Yeah. She's an insanely beautiful woman, woman, but she's also got a great presence. I've mentioned that many times on this show. Um, and the, the other little caveat to this, the other fly in the ointment was having Oscar on commentary. Why did they have her plans for her and then decided, oh crap. You know, Oscar, listen, uh, we were going to have you do something to talk about the women's tag team titles that you're holding so you can build a few between you and uh, you and uh, Kyrie Sane versus Alexa Bliss and um, Nikki Cross. But uh, we're going to scrap that. And, you know, sorry, you're, we had to travel all this way, but we'll stick you on commentary in a random match. I mean, so you to at least make it worth it. That's what it felt like. It felt very, oh, we don't have any plans or whoops, sorry, we changed plans, Asuka. Um, so here go on commentary and just start screaming and, and, you know, being a cartoon, which is what Asuka does. She is a living, walking, breathing cartoon. And I don't know. I've said this before, but I don't know if it's actually a positive. I don't know. There are times when I can't stand her and it's embarrassing. And there's other times I'm enthralled by her, just her movements and gestures and, insane range of vocals and why are you yelling and what are you saying it's almost embarrassingly charming is that a thing can you be embarrassingly charming that's what i feel like when i watch oscar i don't know so on i mean mysterio picks up the victory it really wasn't anything to write home about um we also got a couple more things here i want to talk about is uh, Becky Lynch, and not just her, you know, her entrance. That's a way to make an entrance. You know, just have WWE spend, a, 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 you know, a few hundred thousand dollars on this custom-painted semi. Yeah, that's the way you make an entrance. But anyway, she came into the arena, and uh, she says that she's ready to uh, face or address Shayna Baszler. And... She said the idea of her drives Baszler mad because the Queen of Spades has bullied her way to the top for so long. Uh, She said that Becky was the one woman who was tired of being hunted and turned it around on those who preyed on her. And she vowed to beat Baszler and retain. Um, I I thought this was a very good promo uh, by Becky Lynch. It, it, It felt authentic. I liked that. I liked her her pacing. I liked Baszler watching backstage. Um, I like how Becky said that she is only showing and saying things that she is she's saying on purpose to twist the mind of Shayna to how she wants uh, Shayna to perceive her. It's this big mind game, and it, I like it. I think it's a great way to get inside the head of, uh, of Shayna Baszler. And it really, I think this to me gives me a little bit more confidence that Becky may retain at WrestleMania. And I know some of you may say, let's move on. Let's get, you know, somebody else in the, in the throne. But number one, beyond Shayna Baszler, who the hell is actually up to the, par up to par of Becky Lynch, right? I mean, it's either Shayna or right. Nobody. I mean, you can have Ronda Rousey return. There's been rumors of that forever. And apparently Vince McMahon was furious over the photo of her and Kane Velasquez being posted to Twitter, um, that they were at WWE headquarters a week or two ago. So that tells you something, 
So Ronda Rousey could make her return, could do it at WrestleMania in the Performance Center as, with no crowd, you know, fan, no fan response. Um, maybe they can even like virtually include fans. Is there a way to, you know, it, it virtually, I, I don't know how you would do it, but uh, if there were like large gathering parties, uh, if WWE would have select certain, like, I can't even say bars, um, you can't even say big gathering areas, the people that have to be individually at home with their own WrestleMania parties, I don't know. I don't, I'm just trying to think of creative ways to get crowd interaction with with this, but uh, I don't know. Um, so I, I have growing confidence that Becky Lynch could retain at WrestleMania. Um, and I, I'm just very interested to see, and I would have been loved to have heard the crowd reaction with these two and the same crowd reaction, not to change topics too abruptly, uh, but with Roman Reigns and Goldberg to hear what the fans would have done. And I said on Twitter that there is nobody on the roster of WWE that is like, that is breathing a bigger sigh of relief than Roman Reigns and Goldberg. They are collectively giving the biggest sigh in the in the history of WWE size that they don't have to worry about the crowd completely turning on this match, burying it, uh, you know, putting the dirt on it, and putting a tombstone, and walking away. I mean, because I think there was that real possibility that the audience would have just said, "F this." We don't like Roman. We know what you're trying to do, but we also don't want Goldberg champion. This is a lose lose. Screw you guys. Boo. I mean, that was a true possibility. And now this is a this is heaven sent for Roman Reigns. Really? I mean, more than even more than Goldberg. This is a a blessing from the gods of of wrestling and and honestly, Roman Reigns has been saved by something like this before. Back in 2015 when Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble and the crowd booed the holy hell out of him. What happened the Monday Night Raw after? It was the infamous snowed-in Raw. Boy, would I have loved to have heard the crowd reaction of Roman Reigns the next night on Raw. And we didn't get it because of the, the huge snowstorm that hit the next Monday night. So Roman Reigns, by hook or crook, is getting gifts from wrestling gods. Not JBL, but actual wrestling gods that are just... The stars align for when Roman Reigns could, you know get booed to hell circumstances beyond, you know, our, our control are, are, are happening. So yeah, you're welcome, Roman Reigns. And you're a lucky SOB. Uh, so the last segment I wanted to talk about on raw, because this was the only other thing that happened, at least to my knowledge, outside of video packages and, Oh, the entire Royal rumble being uh, a part of raw. And to quickly comment on that, I know people are like, oh my God, we've seen this. Why are they doing this for Raw? Oh my God. They have three hours to fill, right? Why wouldn't you include a 60-minute Royal Rumble to kill an hour of the show? Actually, I believe, was Raw only two hours? I think it might have been only two hours. I have to look. But if, if it was the full three hours, regardless, you want to kill as much time as you can without having to do too many awkward segments with no live audience. You hit, it's almost as if WWE is just hitting their main storylines, doing a pay-per-view match to kill 40 to 60 minutes and closing the show with a live segment. I mean, and I'm fine with that formula. I don't blame them one iota. I totally would understand. I would do the same damn thing. I know some people love it. Some people hate it. But if you're producing that much content, I don't want to see... And, and it actually makes you feel better to see a live audience reacting to wrestling. And the Royal Rumble was a good uh, a good match to show because it showcased Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar, which that'll pro- uh, progress next week on Raw with both men in the building. And also, it progressed and reminded you about Edge's return because that happened at the Rumble. One of the best Rumbles in, my God, 10, 15 years. I mean, it was critically acclaimed. I mean, I, I just, I haven't heard many people complain about that Royal Rumble. So a good choice. And I think that's going to be the format moving forward until further notice, until this ban is lifted and we can all conglomerate again and no one's going to get cooties. That's the case. This is what's going to happen. This is our live, our lives now as wrestling fans is empty arenas. We're going to get a, a repeat match of some, um, decent sized length to kill time. And I would too. And then back to live segments and hopefully it's not too painful and maybe we'll get used to it. 
Uh, so that was uh, just something else I wanted to touch on. But Ro- uh, Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens in his promo um, issued a challenge to Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. And he talked about the history of the facility, the wealth of knowledge he gathered there, and said that he's going to add another memory to the venue or of the venue by defeating the Monday Night Messiah at the Performance Center. Um, this was a good promo by Kevin Owens. Might have been the best one that he's delivered so far to Seth Rollins, as it seems on a, on a regular basis to be very cyclical that Roman or uh, Kevin Owens just gets beat down, beat down, beat down. Uh, you know, he'll get one night of retaliation and then beat down, beat down, beat down. Um, so that was, it was a nice change of pace to hear from Kevin Owens on a more serious level. And uh, on honestly, a more empathetic level where you remember what Kevin Owens came from, what people said about him, that he'll never make it. And that he's finally here. And, and that Seth was the one that said, I don't know if he's a WWE guy. I don't know if he'll make it here in WWE. And now in the performance center, these two will be facing one another in a, uh, in a match. And um, so I'm looking forward to it. That was a good promo by Kevin Owens. Uh, it was just solid. It was engaging. It was emotional at times. And it did exactly what it needed to do. And uh, I thought it was a solid, a very, very solid promo. And again, I think WWE is doing overall the best damn job they possibly can with this. I, I applauded WWE at the beginning of the show. I will continue to applaud them for rolling out original content in a time that we all need it. There has never been a time in the last, well, since 9-11, that we have needed more distraction from what's going on in the world than right now. And WWE is that platform. They are that medium. They are... That is what they are. They are a distraction from life. That's why we watch any any TV show. That's why I watch any movie. That's why we play any video game. Is to get away from daily life. To forget about what the real world is doing. And to just immerse yourself into, into a world that doesn't matter. That has no consequence. It's like dreaming. In your dreams, there's zero consequences. You can do anything you want. Anything. And there are absolutely no consequences. This is a way in real life to dream and and escape from your, your reality of the tough situation that we're all dealing with and, and immerse yourself into it in a fantasy land. And so I think WWE, and, and I'm sure Vince would agree, that now more than ever, we need WWE. So it's going to be weird. It'll continue to be weird. It's going to be a bizarre few months, probably few months, as crazy as that may be. But in the end, this, I think we'll all be better for it. And I think that we'll appreciate the live audience a whole hell of a lot more and our normal lives before all this happened with bars open, gyms open, you know, concerts back, especially with summer coming up, all the concerts in summer, my God, all the, oh my God, the the wrestling events leading into, I mean, the next big one would be SummerSlam. So this is going to be a very, very unique year. 2020 will be a year that we never, ever forget. Ever. Never. You'll always remember what it was like to live through this. The uncertainty, the fear, the panic. People going out and buying toilet paper in droves, hand sanitizer, punching each other and getting, you know, yelling at each other over just insignificant things that are out of fear, right? Silly. Um, But... It's WWE is a way to dream and it's with no consequence. You can watch it and immerse yourself. And um, I think, I think that we need this, this now more than we ever have. And uh, uh, you know, I don't know about you guys. And this is a very, very weird side note. I'm on a weird in a weird vibe lately. Right. I mean, all of us, everything just feels very weird. Um, that do you ever know that you can dream? Like when you're dreaming, are you, have you ever been conscious that you're dreaming? It's called lucid dreaming. Like when you're in a dream, you're aware that you're dreaming. That's basically the gist of it. Uh, has anybody else have that or not just once, but on a somewhat regular basis, I've noticed that I lucid dream more often than not. If I wake up, say like four or five, six o'clock, and then I go back to sleep, I will 
nine times out of 10, that'll be a lucid dream versus if I just go to sleep my normal time and I have my normal dreams at like, you know, whatever the hell time, one, two o'clock in the morning. It doesn't happen as often, but whenever you're, at least that's the formula that's worked for me. I wake up and then go back to sleep and then I'm aware. I'm like, ah, I'm in a dream. But I've noticed, I mean, outside of how it actually happens for me, which again, it's just going to sleep the second time, uh, that it's very hard to control yourself in the dream. Even though you're dreaming and you know you can create anything and do anything, you actually still can't. You can't. It's hard. Because if you all of a sudden are conscious that you're dreaming, you have to focus on not trying to wake up because your brain will automatically try to wake itself up. And then all of a sudden you're awake and it's like, ah, if (laughs) this is, I can't believe I'm like discussing this with you guys. It's like so bizarre, right? But it's been a very bizarre week. Um, But if you're in a lucid dream, the key is the key. If you're in a lucid dream is to whatever the heck you're doing, stand there and like, just focus on one thing. Whatever, I don't know if there's an object in your dream, whatever, focus on that one thing and as far, focus on it as hard as you can and it'll make everything else kind of fall into place and, and it won't take you out of the dream as quickly because if you start to slack off and your, your, your conscious brain is like, hey, wait a minute, this isn't real, we need to wake you up, that part of you will take over if you don't focus on the dream itself and try to teach your brain to focus on the dream. And, and just keep yourself there because your conscious is like panic. Hey, wake up, wake up. This isn't real. It, it's a very bizarre thing that happens with your brain. Um, but it's awesome. If you, and this doesn't happen often, even if I'm in a lucid dream to be able to control and create things that you want, it's not easy. Sometimes my brain goes rogue, even though I know it's a dream and I'm in one. It's like my, I'm a slave to my brain. Sometimes it's like I'm trapped. Uh, and sometimes I'll wake up in a paralyzed sleep. Right? You ever have that? You ever have that where you're laying there and you woke up, but you can't move. All you can do is look around and you can't move for anything. Even if someone, you know, the house was on fire, you'd be screwed. I don't know. That happens to me occasionally too. It's frightening, but it's also really relaxing because your body's in a total REM sleep, but your eyes are awake. I don't know. I, maybe I need to get like some kind of sleep test done or maybe I need to see a psychologist. I don't know. Maybe some of you are like, what the hell is he talking about? Uh, what, what is he talking about? He's talking about lucid dreaming. He's p- paralyzed. Well, sleep paralysis is a, is a real thing, but I don't know. I, I guess I'm just going off the deep end here with uh, just topics that are coming to my head as I'm, you know, trying to escape reality. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening in my bizarre discussion that I never planned talking about lucid dreaming and sleep paralysis. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed this. You can follow me on Twitter at the WWE podcast. Please give us a subs- uh, subscription on any podcast app that you listen to us on and, and a review. It really, really helps us out. Um, and we will be back guys. This show's going nowhere throughout this entire crisis. I guess you'd call it pandemic, whatever panic word you want to use. Um, we'll be here discussing wrestling as long as there's, there's shows. Uh, we will continue to review them. Even if everything stopped cold, we would still be here. Our schedule is going to continue. Tomorrow will be a wrestling nostalgia show. And boy, do we need that. Um, and it'll be, I promise, a nostalgia show that actually has crowd interaction in it. So we'll get sound bites. We'll live through it together. I haven't quite landed on a topic yet, but it'll strike me. I, I'm, I've got a few things narrowed down. But uh, if you have suggestions, of course, hit me up at uh, WWE Podcast. Uh, the real or the WWE podcast on Twitter, by the way, you can also send me your voicemails. If you want your voice on this show and answer to answer your question or just get your comment on the show, send your voicemail, which is really just a voice memo you create on your phone to real WWE podcast at gmail.com. And I'll get your voice on the show and we can, I can respond to you in real time. Um, but yeah, so the wrestling nostalgia is coming tomorrow. And then AEW Review, they're doing a live uh, show with no audience, in, uh, which is what my uh, hunch was, and that's what looks like it's going to happen. And then NXT Review as well. I mean, th- this is this is not stopping just because the world stopped. This is my damn show, and I make the calls, and we aren't stopping regardless of what happens. And then, of course, Saturday will be, or I'm sorry, Sunday will be your weekend review. Uh, I sometimes do Saturdays, but Sunday's been more of the day where I'm bringing on a co-host, Mary Grader's coming on this year, or this year, this week, and we're going to discuss everything that is this week in WWE, and uh, boy, it's weird, right? 
it is a weird, weird time. So, guys, thank you so much for listening and making the show a success because it is continuing to grow because of you. Not really me. I mean, yeah, I created the show and it was my brainchild, but it goes nowhere without you guys. You could have the best idea in the world, but if you have no support, it's going nowhere. So that's all thanks to you and the listeners um, for making this what it is. So thank you guys for listening. Try to get yourself distracted. Get your ass out there. Take a walk. Watch some you know mindless TV if you need to. Uh, hang out with a friend. You know, you know, order, by the way, you can order beer, right? Restaurants are doing takeout alcoholic beverages. Oh, boy, I just changed somebody's life, didn't I? Yeah, they're like Applebee's and Chili's. I know around here they're doing takeout alcoholic drinks. Someone will deliver this to you. Like you can order a margarita and someone will deliver it to you. So, um, like I said, I'm sure that somebody right now is going, wait, what? Yeah, I, I know. I just probably changed your whole night. So you're welcome. But uh, so anyway, just just do something. Get out of the house, right? We feel prisoners, like we're prisoners now. But do something. Do something. I know we're all going to go stir crazy, and it's just going to get worse. So, um, you know, I don't know. Check on a neighbor. Get out. Do something fun to the best of your ability. Of course, stay safe. But uh, we'll all get through this insane time together and look back and go, man, remember that? That was wild. And we'll all remember this. That's for damn sure. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to WWEPodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to Patreon.com slash WWEPodcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.